I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Uncover Your Magic. I think I need to come up with another name for rabbit hole (laughs) because you all know how when I find someone I truly resonate with and speaks to my soul, the rabbit hole I go. My guest today's rabbit hole was so intriguing and amazing. I will guarantee that you won't be able to not go there. That's how this woman has touched my soul to the absolute core. And she doesn't even know it yet. That's the funny part. I listened to her on Michael Sandler's podcast, Inspire Nation, which is one of my favorites to listen to. And then I shared it with everyone who I knew would resonate with her like I did. Most of everyone in my circle of friends And I know most of all of you do as well, want to learn more about how to connect even more with our intuition and the archangels. I've had a few guests on this show that has talked about both of those topics, but hearing my guests today, her story and how she uncovered her magic will leave you speechless and sharing this episode around with your tribe. I can almost guarantee it. (laughs) We also are all on this journey of raising our vibration and understanding the higher dimensions and meeting so many friends these days who have tapped into channeling, like most of you who listen to the show knows Abraham Hicks and Joshua. We all love to listen to these amazing souls who have figured out the hidden keys that lay inside each and every one of us. And I know you are all like me, want to learn and know how to tap into our own magic like they have. Well, today's guest is going to show us all how to do that, and it's going to be amazing. Before I introduce her, please remember to connect with me if you or your teenager or you know of anyone who wants to sign up for my course that begins this September 12th and runs through November 6th. I have Raising Confidence for our Teenagers and the Magic Path for Adults and Parents. I am hosting free masterclasses on both courses, so you can learn more on August 22nd at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and Friday, August 26th at 12 o'clock Pacific. These classes are free and are an amazing way to learn more of the mindset tools I teach and what your teen or your family can expect to see transform in your lives. Don't wait. These kids need these tools more now than ever. And after watching an entire family go through this transformation this past summer, I don't want any family to miss this opportunity to all get on the same page and raise the vibration and see the magic in our lives emerge even more. 
You can email me at ashleygonner at gmail.com or go to my website, ashleygonner.com. Or as always, the links to sign up are in the show notes. I can't wait to hear from you. So let me tell you a little bit about this amazing woman before I bring her on. Her name is Sunny Dawn Johnston. She is an acclaimed transformational thought leader, change maker, and psychic medium. She is the author of 20 books, including her flagship bestsellers, Invoking the Archangels and The Love Never Ends, which have become the cornerstones for many of her keynote topics, such as intuition, mediumship, and the angelic realm. Through her courses, private sessions, and live events, Sunny has grown and cultivated a diverse global community. Whether in person or online, her strong mentorship encourages thousands of students to connect with their heart and the core of their being and guides them to experience life in a newer, more positive light. So without further ado, please welcome Sunny Don Johnston to the show. Welcome, Sunny. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Excited to share whatever comes up in the next hour or so. (laughs) You know, we just talked about rabbit holes, but I have just, I just finished reading your book, Love Never Ends. Mm. And I listened to it on Audible, actually. And I did it while I was in Arizona. So I was very close to you. Yes, you were. We were right energetically connected. (laughs) Yes. So I know Invoking the Archangels, it's the Archangel, just, yeah, Invoking the Archangels is your first book. And I thought, I'm just going to read Love Never Ends. And it just spoke to me. Oh my gosh. So when I started this podcast, it was one of those intuition moments. It was Ashley, start a podcast. And I'm saying this to you, which people are going to understand after this hour is how you've learned to listen to your intuition and how you teach that, which all of these listeners are all into that. And when I did decide that something came to me. It said, uncover your magic. And I was like, huh, where did that come from? Okay. Let's call it uncover your magic. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I know everyone has magic. And when I do my, you know, deep dive on Sunny Don Johnston, and I learn about where her magics really started, when she started to open up and mm-hmm. become this person, the soul that was put on this planet to be. And when you realize that, is when you were 13. Yeah. So can can we go back? Because there's so many amazing magic moments after that point that just people are just going to be like, oh my gosh, I need to be in Sunny's presence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Yes. It all started at 13. So I, uh, you know, I didn't really have a belief in angels or anything like that. I mean, I knew them as like little things you put on the mantle, you know, and I wasn't brought up in religion, although my entire family was very Mormon, very religious, but my mom and dad both left the church. And so they kind of gave me more of the freedom to, to, experience and explore. And, and I didn't really do that because it didn't matter to me. So at the age of 13, one night I just went to bed and I'd been having a hard time. I didn't fit in because I was raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so it isn't the most open place on in mm-hmm. the world. And so I didn't fit in. And I was always struggling with that. Self-esteem had become a big deal. And, and so my mom was worried about me and, and I was just kind of in a depressive state. And so I just went to bed one night, just like I do any other night. 
But that night at one o'clock in the morning, I, I woke up and I rolled over. I looked at the clock. And when I went to roll over to go back to sleep, there was this light above me. And, you know, and so I kind of opened my eyes a little bit more and I realized that there was like a colorful winged being above my bed. And, you know, I didn't freak out. That's the thing that's crazy. I didn't didn't freak out. It was so calming and so just like loving that I just kind of laid in the in the energy and the vibration, the frequency of it, and just feeling this energy of unconditional love and watching these colors that I can't even find words to describe what those colors were. And then I just was like, and I rolled over and I went back to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up and my head kicked in and I was like, oh my God, what was that? You know? And, and so I started, you know, analyzing it, and go, but I knew it was real. I for sure knew it was real. I, did, I knew it wasn't my imagination. It wasn't a dream. So I ran downstairs and I told my mom and, uh, but my head was still trying to figure it out. Like, I know it's real, but I don't know what it is. Right. And, uh, and my mom said, well, Sunny, that's your guardian angel. And I said, I don't think I have one of those. And she goes, well, of course you have one of those. Everybody has one of those. I said, no, I don't think so. Cause I had a guardian angel in my 13 year old mind, if I had a guardian angel, then nothing bad would ever happen. Like I wouldn't not fit in. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be overweight. Like I wouldn't have these things happening to me because my guardian angel would fix them all is my 13 year old mentality. And when I'm you say like, you didn't fit in, it was your over, cause I have a 13 year old too right now. So I'm mm-hmm. going through this teenage yes. and a 16 year old, but when you say you didn't fit in, what is that? So I didn't fit in in the religion because I was one of three in a high school of 2,200 that weren't Mormon. Okay. Um, I didn't fit in body wise. I'd started to gain weight. So I was overweight and really like 95% of the girls were thin. I didn't fit in because I was, I was pretty advanced. So they put me in classes and sent me to classes later. So I was always kind of moved to another group. So I just just didn't get to be normal, right? Um, So all of those. And then I also was really pretty um, emotionally mature. Uh, I always was kind of an adult. I came out kind of like as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really have the, like, I didn't want to talk small talk. I could not handle the girl shit. I couldn't even do it. Like, so I just didn't have a lot of friends because it just didn't. So nothing about me fit in. I just was different on all levels. And so after this experience, my mom had said, you know, well, Sunny, I, last night I came in to your bedroom and I prayed over you and I asked God and the angels to keep you safe because I've been worried about you. And my mom had never done that before. Not that she didn't pray or anything, but she'd never come prayed over me, asked angels specifically. Mm-hmm. And so I, I realized that I had awakened at one o'clock in the morning to the manifestation of my mother's prayer. And although I didn't understand it and I wasn't even quite sure I believed it, I knew what I felt and I knew the feeling I'd had. And so that sent me on this journey of curiosity. And that's really why it's lasted so long is I'm a very curious person. I ask lots of questions. I always have people like, could you just wait for a minute? You know, like my personality. (laughs) Yeah, but why, you know? And so that helped me to recognize that, okay, something happened. I don't know what it is. I'm curious about it. And it gave me something to focus on because what I was so focused on was not fitting in. And it opened doors that, you know, shortly after that, I started literally having 
communication with the angels. They, I, I felt like I was in class with them. Like they were teaching me every day. I started seeing deceased energies around people. We had a, a spirit in our house that my brother and I both saw and, and we'd kind of play little games to, to test it out. And, and so it opened a door and that at that time at 13, although my greatest vision and dream and hope for myself was that I could be normal. I realized I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, the lady on the stairs that you're talking about and how you and your brother, he was five and you were 13. Yes. And he had the Archangel Michael with the blue ball. Yeah. When I'm looking at this time period (laughs) in my heart, it's like, okay, Sunny's like the angels are going, okay, she's awake. Yeah. Let's go. Yes. (laughs) Let's give her all these things. And exactly. Right. All at once. And it was all at 13. Like all these things happened at 13. It was nuts. And then, you know, and I think too, one of the challenges was because I was 13 and because I just wanted to be normal, I knew that they, these were really cool experiences. And at the same time, my ego was like, I just want to be like everybody else. And so right. I would push and pull and push and pull. I'd have this cool experience and be like, oh my God, that was so cool. And then I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, let me just, just leave me alone. And I actually did that for 15 years. I had such a hold. My ego was so kind of hell bent on literally Mm -hmm. on, on trying to be like everybody else. And so this acceptance of myself in all of the different woo woo forms that were happening was so conflicted. It was so conflicted in a time when you're so conflicted anyway, you know, 13, I would never do that again in the, I mean, if I'm going to live future lives, I want to skip 13. I don't want to do 13 again. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. Just as a mom, you know, now going through that with them and such a different life now as we parent these teenagers and we had when we were growing up, but you know, I'm the mom and I want to ask you too, how you parented your boys, but knowing what you know, but that's all we talk about. I mean, it's the angels and, you know, this, we pray like, you know, it's just like, it's a constant, the numbers on the clock, you know, we're in the car. It's always our conversation. Yes. So if they were to hear you talk, like when you were 13, that they didn't feel connected to many friends or feel normal, Mm -hmm. they would go, Sunny didn't either. That's how, you know? And so when you feel like I'm the one that's like, you know, instilling this in them as a parent, because I feel so high, you know, this is such a big, important thing. This is like one of the main things in my life that I know will help guide them in their life to when they leave me. Mm -hmm. So that is such, I'm such an intentional parent that way. Mm -hmm. It's not something that they've awoken to their, they haven't experienced it just through me. Right. But listening to you and the story that, you know, when you understand that at that age, and then I just look at it like, you're open. And now it's just, here we go. And then to let's go to 18. When you said, you know, we had, here we go to 13. We had all these things happening. And then at, so you didn't finish school, right? You didn't, you stopped school at 15. Why were you so advanced? So it's interesting because I quit school at 15 for a couple of reasons. One was they were having me take advanced classes. And when I got to high school at 15, that I'd already taken all the classes. They didn't know what to do with me. Uh. So they wanted me to just take them over again and, or take different classes that I was like, like wildlife biology. Well, why do I care? I'm not, that's not right. Me, right. So they were just trying to keep me busy and I didn't like that. So I really fought against the education system, quite honestly. The other reason was I didn't have space for cattiness for the girl thing. Like I couldn't do it. So I didn't do that. And the, and the third reason was you know, my parents were in a struggle. I was running one of my dad's businesses at that time, full time, 
during the summer. And so when I realized, you know, I'm not interested in any of this and I just decided, you know what, I can run this business and not have to do school. But in order to do that, I actually had to become emancipated from my parents. So at 15 years old, we had to go to court and a judge had to say she can live on her own and not rely on her parents in order for my parents not to get in trouble for truancy for me not going to school because they wouldn't accept because it wasn't the norm. They wouldn't accept it. So see, I wanted to be normal, but I fought against the norm in every way. It was this very contrasting (laughs) experience. So don't, you don't even have a GED. I actually did get my diploma a year and a half later, I got my diploma. So I am graduated. I took some college classes, but the education system wasn't, I never aligned with it, but I did get my diploma just because I really felt insecure about it because I got a lot of back in that time, early eighties, I got a lot of shit for not completing school when I could have, you know, people are like, you're smart. What are you doing? Well, I know. Maybe, well, I'm, maybe the, I'm smarter. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. So then we go to getting pregnant at 18. Yeah. And uh, so in my heart, this is what I've like come to my, after my sunny research is you didn't have a lot of self-love and you were looking for other people to, you know, I, so why I'm saying that is as a mom of the ages that my dirt girls are, you've got to love yourself so much. Yes. That it does not matter what boy likes you, what grades you get. If you get a, a queen at the pageant, nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. have to have so much self-love in you that yes. I just, right. So go tell me that. So I think that, you know, because I struggled so much with that self-worth at a young age, it just got worse as I got older and I was in such conflict with, okay, what, what is true and who am I? That what I realized is who I was, was somebody who really liked to take care of people who wanted to help everybody and at the sacrifice of myself, which worked out really well at that time because I was really good at it. So I attracted people into my life that were unhealthy, you know, addicts, alcoholics, people that just weren't in a good vibrational frequency. However, the truth of the matter is in order for me to have attracted them into my life, I also had the same vibration. Mine just showed up different. Mine was on the outside. It looked like I was, you know, I was working full time. I had taken care of my family, my own, my parents for a while because they were struggling. I worked three jobs to do all of that um, at 16 years old. And so when I got to that stage, um, what I recognize is I for sure was codependent, for sure lacked that self-love. And I got my love and my value from being able to help others. And so I helped all the addicts. That's what I did. And you know what I helped them do? I helped them have more alcohol. I helped them be able to buy their drugs. I helped them have a place to sleep. Like I did all the things you're not supposed to do. But in helping, I felt like I was saving them, right? And so I didn't have the energy to save myself, but I could save them. And that attraction level was that Although addiction on their side, and and that looked really unhealthy, and me working three jobs and making money and taking care of everybody looked really healthy, vibrationally, we both lacked self-love. Right. That was attraction. And so when I got pregnant, I knew immediately, I knew I was going to raise this child on my own. And after I got my head around the fact that I was going to have a child, (laughs) um, then I knew I was going to raise him on my own because my boyfriend was an alcoholic at 19. I, I knew he wasn't capable. And, and because my parent, my mother came from an alcoholic family, I knew that story. And I really knew I couldn't do that. But, you know, it took me three years to love myself enough and love my son enough to get out of that energy, to choose 
myself and to choose him because that not feeling good enough, not being worthy, not fitting in was more important to me than my life sometimes. Hmm. And luckily the angels came in and helped me to, to shift my understanding, my frequency, but I don't think they're fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) I think they had a really stubborn subject and they're like, oh, Sunny, come on. And I got Uh, it. And when I got it, I got it, but it it took me time. Yeah. So let's go. Yes. But go to that moment when you have this high temperature and you're getting ready to have your son in the hospital and you're go to there. That's, I feel like this is another magic moment that opened you up even deep and wider. Certainly. Well, yeah. So when I went, so at at 18, here I am pregnant and, and ready to have this baby. And I, um, I was really sick. So I had preeclampsia, which turned into eclampsia. So I was on bed rest almost the entire pregnancy. When I finally went to go have him, I had a stroke while I was in labor and they did an emergency C-section and they took him out and he was healthy and fine, which very grateful for. But I, on the other hand, was not. I ended up in the hospital for almost three weeks with 106.3 degree temperature, the majority of that time, and they could find no source of the issue. And so what happened was I was so sick that they came in and told me that they didn't think I was going to make it through the night one night. Now, at this point, it had been it had been almost three weeks since I'd seen my son, since I'd given birth, and I hadn't seen him since then because they wouldn't let him be with me because they didn't know what I had. And so he'd gone home with my mom. My mom was raising a a newborn and I was in the hospital. And so when they told me, you know, we don't think you're going to make it through the night, they'd stopped medications and everything. That's when it occurred to me, because I was out of my body most of that time. That's when it occurred to me that I was actually sick. Like in, again, 18 year old mentality. I always say I was raised in Utah. Utah, we're a little, we don't, like the world is not like it is. Like we call it planet Utah. Like it's just a different world. So they're very naive. And so I was thinking, I just had a baby. Like people don't die having babies in in the eighties and nineties anymore. And so I thought they were, they were just going to fix me. And then when I realized, oh, this is serious. So don't wait till your deathbed is my point. I called on the angels and I said, okay, I like, I need help. I, I need help. And I opened, this was the time that was critical because what I did was I recognized that I needed it and I opened myself to receive it. And Archangel Raphael came to me and that's exactly what he told me to do. And my arms were already strapped down to the bed. So that was convenient, but it caused me to open my heart and open my mind to the fact that the medical community is not going to save you. If you're going to live right now, it's going to be you and it's going to be your spirit and it's going to be your support. That's the only way this is going to happen. And the next day my fever broke for the first time in almost three weeks. Amazing. But the breath work that you did, you breathed. It was miraculous. Yes. So what happened with Archangel Raphael is when he came to me and he said, you know, to open up the energy and he, he invited me to breathe in the color green, which is the color of Raphael to breathe in the color green. And when I would breathe in the color green, I would breathe out this tar guck looking stuff. I could see it. And I did this for 12 hours, just, just breath, just in green, out guck, in green, out guck. And as I did that, I could feel, it's so hard to explain, but I could feel the energy change. And I knew that something miraculous was how I knew it. And the other thing Raphael invited me to do, and I did, was call every family member, every friend that I had, which wasn't very many, and ask them to pray. 
Now, I never, that's not something I would have done because I never considered myself religious. But at this point, it wasn't about prayer in a religious sense. It's about asking spirit in whatever form, whatever person believed in whatever way to help bring healing to me. And I could accept it because that was always the issue. And I think this is so important, Ashley. The issue for me always was around not being willing to receive. Yes. I didn't know how to receive love from others. So how could I have it for myself? I didn't know how to receive help. I didn't know how to receive appreciation. I didn't know how to receive a compliment. Mm -hmm. And so when that opened up, it allowed me to receive healing. Oh, I love that. And that, of course, turned into a life-changing experience that I pushed against again for a little, because I'm a little slow in some ways here, right? You were catching (laughs) that. And eventually got me to the place where it was like, okay, hello, Sonny, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to play this game or are you going to do what you're really meant to do? Right. You know, when you say um, he was the angel, Raphael was speaking to you and you're listening and that's your intuition. Are you hearing it? Is he speaking to you? Are you like, in that case, it happens differently all, all the time. Still to this day, it's always different. But in that case, it was a visualization. It was an actual visual experience. Literally saw his presence in my room. And it started that I kept seeing this light because I was out of my body a lot of the time, so much so that my nurse, who was a male nurse, I was so embarrassed that I had a male nurse because again, I'm young. And I had infection from my chest to my knees, literally oozing infection. And so the way they would clean it like is like they do a burn victims. They'd scrape it, um, oh. the infection off, and then they'd put medication on. And so he'd come in twice a day on his shift, morning and evening and do that. And so I never saw his face. I know the calyx, he had three calyx on the top of his head because I was, <laughs> I, I was in so much pain. I just wow. checked out my body. I was just out. Huh. And so when Raphael started to appear, at first, I just saw this light in the corner of my room. And then as sometimes I would come into my body, I could see it stronger. And then it got bigger. And then there was a full, a full impression of Raphael's energy in front of me. And then I, ha- I didn't hear the words. I knew the words. So it was more of a clear cognizant experience, a clear knowing that I would say he said to me, but it was not an audible voice. It was a knowing of do this. Huh. Yeah. You know, I know you explain all the clairs in your book mm-hmm. and it was an interesting, like the questions that you ask um, in love never ends. It made me think about, I wonder what I am. Those, that was a really cool. I love that. Yeah. It's helpful to know what you are because when you know, then you can really focus on the, the one that is the strongest because that's the one that really unlocks the doors to all the others. So you've got to embrace it. So I'm a feeler and I didn't like feeling. I didn't want to feel. I'm like, I feel everybody's everything. This is not fun to me. Like I thought it was a curse. And when I finally embraced it, then all the others start opening up consistently. They'll happen yeah. randomly. Sometimes you get a feeling, you'll get a knowing, you'll have a, a, a little visualization or, or maybe a, a deja vu. So they happen randomly. But if you want to really develop your intuition consistently, then it's, it's opening up that natural channel first that kind of is like the key and it unlocks the door and there you go. Wow. Going through your story, I'm trying to keep on track because there's so many things to, that I want to cover. So I know I've got, there's a lot there. So you just take Bear me wherever me. you want to go. Girl. Okay. So I want to go to the Arizona state fair. And I feel like this is when you realized that there was medium, like you, you had that gift. So another door opened at the Arizona state fair it sure with did. Uh, Mike the man, and then Carl. So will you go there? That was a very magical story. You bet. So 
oh, the Arizona State Fair. So I had this wild idea. So this is when I very first started opening up to doing my work. So I was doing readings and that was working great. And I really enjoyed readings. But what was happening when I was doing private readings was that deceased people were coming to me, but I didn't want to do them. I didn't, I didn't want to do mediumship. I was really like adamant about it because whenever there's mediumship, there's death. And whenever there's death, there's usually sadness. And because I'm a feeler, I felt it all. So I didn't want to do it. So I just, I would just say when, when spirits would come, I just ignore them or I'd be like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. That's how I I just, I do all the intuitive stuff and help them with figuring out about, you know, to buy the house. All that stuff was great, but mediumship. mm. So when I did the fair, which I would never do again, by the way, because it was 21 (laughs) days, it was a lot of work. But I had two guys, and I don't remember what the names I gave them in the book because I gave them fake names. Okay, it was Mike that came to you. Okay. Okay, Okay. so so Mike and Carl, maybe, because I changed names just to protect them. So I had a guy that came in for a reading, and so we were in the state fair, and so people are walking all around. And, you know, the fair is always interesting. They're always interesting. And it was interesting, right? So this guy comes, and I'm totally owning my judgment. But when he walked, he started walking towards me and I saw him and I was like, I don't know. Like I, I'd already decided I'm, like, I'm not, I don't want to do reading for him. He was rough looking and I could tell he'd had a hard road. And I, because I feel, I'm like, I don't want to feel that right now. So right. of course he comes right to me, boom. And he sits down and he says, so you read, huh? Why, why don't you read me? Kind of like in that kind of attitude. And I'm like, oh gosh. So he sat down and uh, as soon as I start tuning into his energy, there's a little boy standing next to him, jumping up and down. And I'm talking to him. I'm like, well, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> it sounds so mean now, but it was true then. Um, I'm like, honey, I'm not, I'm not talking to him. I'm just doing a reading for him, just helping him out with some stuff. I'm not. And I'm having that conversation while I'm having the conversation with this, this real live person here. And uh, eventually this little boy just kept just getting my attention and, and finally said, just tell my dad it's not his fault. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Hmm. So I did. I said, um, I have a little boy here. I described him and he started crying. And then I started crying. And he said, um, that's my little boy. I said, I, what, Carl. I said, yes. And I said, he tells me to tell you it's not your fault. And he just bawled. And he said, you know, I've always felt like it was because he was in prison when his son died. And he was in prison for drugs. And his mom, had the son killed because he reminded her of the dad. Oh, wow. That's the full story. Yeah, that wasn't in the book. I didn't share all the details, (laughs) but that's the full story. And so what happened, though, is that man that walked up to me was completely torn apart and broken. And of course, of course, guilt, shame, anger, all of it. Um, the woman was in prison and so were the two men that went with her. The little boy, when he gave me the vision, so he showed me everything, which was part of why I didn't want to be a medium. And so once he showed that to me though, and I saw the man, literally, I saw his skin smooth. I saw his light force energy get bigger. It almost like he just lost 10 years in front of my face. And so after that, I was sick for two weeks after that because of what I experienced in seeing what happened to this little boy being murdered. Mm. But 
It was also life-changing for me because my spirit said to me, Sunny, this is a gift for you that not everybody has the ability to do. And if you can in, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. If you can change somebody's perspective and change the trajectory of their life by sharing a few words Mm -hmm. coming from a loved one that they need to share and they need to hear, how can you not do that? Right. Wow. And that was the beginning of, okay, um, I guess I'm, because spirit always wins. I always say that, Ashley, spirit wins. Funny. <laughs> you can, you can deny it. You can ignore it. You can pretend, but spirit always wins. And so spirit won. And, and I, after that day, after I got over being sick, because that was part of the challenge for me was I would feel so deeply. Then spirit taught me tools and ways to be able to hold my energy. So I didn't get sick because, you know, I, I work on missing persons um, investigation. I know that's what I going to ask you. Yeah. yeah. So I've done that for 15 years now. I started that shortly after, right. maybe a year or two after that experience because I could help. And how can you not help if you can help, right? That That's for me personally. And so that opened the door to really recognizing that we all have gifts and some of our gifts are um, being a teacher or speaker. Some of our gifts are, are in you know, woodworking or in technology or whatever the gifts are, but they all actually, ultimately they help people. They serve in some way. They, 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 they bring joy for you. You're bringing information and knowledge and wisdom and experience to people. You know, if you're a woodworker, you're bringing beauty to a space. Um, And, and this was mine. And even though I didn't sign up for it in the sense of, I didn't say, Hey, I want to learn this. You know, I have people come to me now, like, I want to learn this. I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? Even if you don't want to learn it, if you're going to, you're going to, right? Right. So, you mean if you have that intention, if I exactly. have that, you will. Exactly. If you have that intention or if there's a, if, 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 if there is a um, connection, if there, if you're meant to be in this realm, you're going to be, if spirit's guiding you, like it started when I was 13, how did I think I was going to get out of this? Right. <laughs> like, hello, you can ignore it all you want. It's just going to keep happening until you find a way to embrace it. And once I could embrace it in a way that felt safe to me, because, because I was so sensitive, I just felt everything. That was my resistance. I didn't know it at the time. That right. was my resistance was I didn't want to feel all the heaviness and all the pain. When I learned how to manage my energy so that I didn't feel all of that, or at least mm-hmm. not all the time, it isn't that I don't ever feel it, but not all the time, then it was much easier to, to take that and, 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 and be of service and make it valuable for myself and for others. Yes. Um, when you talk about levels of vibration, because, you know, I talk about that in my classes. I, we talk, I mean, I've learned that for the last 30 years of my life, but when you describe it, you know, and it, it gives, it, you have a way of explaining like the humans are the lowest form, which mm-hmm. I get. And then when you're tapping into, and you're channeling, you know, Carl, you've raised your vibration yes, to connect with his. Could you give your levels of vibration um, sure, description. Sure. So kind of the idea, friends, for those of you that are new to this, is that everything is based on frequency, vibration or frequency. We can use those words interchangeably. Because we are a spirit, high vibration, but because we're in a body that's dense, literally without the spirit, there is no life in a body. If any of us have been with somebody when they've passed, you know, once that spirit's gone, the body is just empty shell, right? So the body is dense. So when the spirit is in the body, there's a, there's a density simply because we have the body. 
So we are, I just say this, we're at this vibration. We're at the bottom end of the vibration. We are a spirit light in a body dense. So we're more dense. When we drop the body, when we die, when we drop the body, the vibration automatically raises simply because we no longer have a body. Now we are just the spirit, that light source energy. What happens is you likely know in like in human world, you probably know people that are high frequency and you know people that are low frequency. Right. For sure. So no matter what, if they're a high frequency here, then they're going to raise to a higher frequency in the spirit world. If they're a low frequency here, they're going to raise to a higher frequency period, but it's going to be in the lower end. So it's kind of like a scale almost. Okay. So if they were 80% here, they're going to be 80% in the spirit world, but their frequency is higher no matter what, simply because they drop their body. Now we go to spirit guides. So here we are. Here's our deceased loved ones. Here's spirit guides. Now spirit guides, have been physical. They've had a body like we have. They've dropped their body because they've died. And now they're choosing to be a guide or a teacher or support for those that are here in this physical. So their frequency is raised because they are, they are guiding, they're supporting, they are, they are teaching. They are, so they've learned, they've had some, some acceleration, some growth. So spirit guides are kind of the next. So here's us. Then we've got deceased loved ones and we've got spirit guides. Then we have our angels who have not had physical form, they're just a, a, a high vibrational energy. We have ascended masters and we have archangels and we have the divine, the God of your understanding, source energy, whatever you call that. Well, if we're here in this low frequency and we want to connect with our spirit guides, our archangels, and we want to connect with our deceased loved ones and we're here, the only thing we have to do is raise our vibration. I should say it's the first thing we have to do is raise our vibration. When mm-hmm. we raise our vibration, then we have openness. And when we have openness, then we can tap in and be more present to have the awareness of the messages and the signs and the symbols. So the reason this is so important is a lot of people don't understand that one of the reasons people have such a hard time, and you read this in Love Never Ends, they have such a hard time with connecting with their deceased loved ones is because they're in grief. When you're in grief, your vibration is low. Now, that's not judgment. It's not right or wrong or good or bad. It's just that's where you are. And so it's hard to tap into those higher frequencies when you're in such a heavy state. So our loved ones in spirit, what they're always wanting us to do is find joy. Joy is the fastest way to raise your vibration because it is the the highest expression of love there is, joy. Mm-hmm. So when we find joy, it, even if it's just short amounts of joy, even when you're walking through grief, short amounts of joy will shift the vibration, the frequency, help you to raise it. And just that little bit helps you to be able to connect with them so you can experience them, you can see them, hear them, feel them, know them. And then it just gets easier as you have more practice. And as you become aware, like you were saying that you do with your daughters, you're talking about the signs and the messages and the numbers and the, all the cool things. The more attention you put on it, the more there is. Right. right. It grows. Whatever you put your attention on grows. So right. the more signs you see and then and when your frequency is higher and then you have an experience and it raises your vibration even more. And so you're in this this state of awareness and acceleration. Right. And allowing like I feel like, you know, I can go like my dad passed away two days after Paige was born. So it was like I didn't get to say goodbye, mm-hmm. you know, birth, death. You know, sure. so I'm, that's the closest person that has passed away in my life at this stage of my, at 53 years old. And, you know, I'll hear a song and going through this 
you know, the last 16 years of him being gone, you know, there's signs, but it's getting where you say, raise your vibration. And, you know, me teaching this now to kids and parents and understanding, like when you do raise your vibration, it gets you excited because you see the numbers and you hear the song that reminds you of your dad, but it's still like, when am I going to hear him? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Then if I get, you know, so then you get like, I get where I'm like, okay, dad, and I'm running on with the dogs in the morning and I'm always being in nature, looking at the trees and I'm raising my vibration. And I know everyone listening is going, okay, Ashley, I'm so glad you asked that question because when can I get to that place? I mean, I know raising your vibration, it's so easy for me to teach people, go put it on a song, go do something that makes you happy, yep. you know, joy, find joy, mm-hmm. do, do that. When yes. am I going to hear him? Or when am I going to feel him? Yeah. So here's the thing. A lot of times you have, but you haven't recognized it. So this is one thing that's important. So for most of my clients, most of them want to see, they want to see them. They want to see them in for like show, let me see you in a dream state. Let me see you in a visual state, but let me see you. The other one is I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. Like I heard your voice before. The other one is that, that I want to know. I want to know that you're there and you're with me. And then I want to feel, well, here's the thing, whatever your natural ability is, that's usually how it's going to come first. If you haven't recognized that consistently, you're not going to have the other experiences. Got it. If you haven't developed that to a point that that's happening often, then the others can't show up. So you, we can say, okay, I really want to see all day long. But if you're a feeler, but you don't really like feeling because you feel all kinds of stuff, then you kind of, you have resistance towards it. Then that can't show up and, and, and expand you. That makes sense. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so here's what happens. A lot of times as, as, as time goes on also, the form, the way they show up changes. So does the consistency. Um, the best way I can explain this is it's kind of like, like if you have, so you've got a 16-year-old. And so in a couple of years, she's going to start living her life in whatever way she decides, right? So a lot of times if we think about like a child, so those of you that have had uh, children or somebody close in your life, that let's say they moved um, across the country. Um, they moved to another country, let's say. So they moved, they moved to Thailand. So when they moved to Thailand, now they are living in Thailand. And when you when they first move there, it's really hard because you're used to them in your daily space or are constantly with you. And so you're like, oh my gosh, you're checking in and call me as soon as you get home and all the things, right? Right. And then as they've been there for a few months or a few years, you start filling up the space with other things. Mm-hmm. And so do they. And so think about that in the spirit world. You start filling up your space and so do they. There isn't as much attention on that loss, on that emptiness. And so there isn't as much, not because they aren't around, but there isn't as much of a need to continue to connect all the time to reinforce because we know they're okay. okay. And so they show up in different ways. And sometimes even, sometimes it's more subtle so that you learn the subtleties and sometimes it's less consistent so that you're present so that you catch them when they show up. But it mm-hmm. changes as your life's journey changes also. Oh, that's such a great way to thank you for saying it that way. Mm-hmm. That really helped me see it. Like yes. That. Yeah. And, 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 and when you what, what for those of us that have had children and had them, you know, move out and do all the things, you know, the exact process because you're like, oh yeah, if the first 
couple months, I was calling every day. Why didn't you call me when you got home? You know, like, cause that's right. what we're used to. And then they're like, mom, I'm fine. And, and, and so when we can start to see it that way, that's what makes the transition. And then it isn't so much like they're not reaching out. It's like, oh, okay. I get it. Get it. Yeah. And I have a, you know, I've really come a long way in the last few years <laughs> of breaking up with my children and learning mm-hmm. that in two years, when you say that, I just, that doesn't even, can't believe I'm saying that kind of thing. But now I'm understanding, like I watch her growth. Like this is, you know, she came through me. Mm-hmm. She's on her own journey and I'm, I'm really getting better at that. And then listening, even listening to your stories and how you're still close to your sons and, you know, you have this connection and it's just, I know that I know the connection I have with them will continue and they'll well, it'll grow in ways that we never dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Well, and it'll also, you know, to be honest, it'll also be challenged. I do have a, a, a especially very close relationship with my older son now, which was my hard one, which was the one that I barely survived in right. not just physically when I was 18, but throughout my entire life, he was mm-hmm. hell on wheels. And so we're very close now, but three years ago, he went through addiction. He went through suicidal time. He separated completely from us with my grandchildren, didn't talk to us for five months. And he had to leave everything that he knew to figure out who he was, to separate himself, to be able to come back and be whole. And that was so painful. I can't imagine. It was, it was so painful. And as a mom, I think we do this. Our job is not only to birth these children and to help them, and you have a great understanding of, you know, to to walk their own journey, but I think we always feel a responsibility to keep them alive. Right. Because that was our job. Yes. And when they get to places where they're struggling, when they're suicidal, when they're, when they're depressed, when they're in those states, we can't do it. It can't be us, but we feel like it should be. Right. And so- so For me, when, when those situations were coming through and when I was experiencing that, which was, you know, just a few years ago, the angels were really important in helping me remember what was mine because I wanted to make all of his struggles mm-hmm. and pain mine or my responsibility. Right. And for many years I did it. And it turned out that I was creating more challenge for him. I just didn't recognize it. If that hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes, totally. sometimes we as parents get in the way. Yes. Of their growth, like trying to save them, trying to help, trying to pad things and make it a little bit easier and everything happens the way it's supposed to, but it probably wouldn't have needed to get as desperate and as difficult had I been able to pull away sooner. So for you, that's so beautiful to see that you're wrecking. I knew that, but I didn't take the action at that age. Right. Yeah. It's not easy. It's an awareness. Yes. And good for you. Good for you. I'm really And good for your daughters. Yeah. Right. Ah, So, you know, it's like, well, I guess I couldn't be laying on the floor at preschool for my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we do have to move on. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so let's move on to my next, (laughs) I guess like cut and dry is to the way you describe death and our soul groups and I was listening to like, there's a healing space, right? When you die, like what you're like, even with suicide, like how there's no hell and I, there's only heaven and oneness and love and there's love never ends. Mm -hmm. Love never ends. (laughs) Love never ends. And I love that because it's all about love. But can you go to that? 
So from my experience, and of course, this is a lot of people hear this, but I can only, I only speak from what I've actually experienced or been told through the spirit world. And, and, and so my awareness is that when somebody dies, oftentimes people know right before they're going to pass, especially in tragic situations, I'm talking immediately before. And so well that as soon as the whatever situation is going to end their life, when it starts to become in motion, mm-hmm. they check out of their bodies. So it's almost mm-hmm. like they're a witness of it. So murders, severe car accidents, things like that, where it's a sudden death, oftentimes their soul recognizes, oh, this is like, I'm, it's, it's my time. I'm coming into this path. And they check out almost to not, to be more of the higher vision perspective because they, they don't need to be in the body for it. So one of the things, one of the reasons I'm sharing that is because when clients come to me, especially the people that have passed in tragedy, it's almost always one of their questions is how much did they suffer? How much Mm -hmm. pain did they have? And not that I haven't had people that have said that they had, that they had pain, but it's very few in comparison to the way people have died. It's shocking to me actually, Um, but, but relieving at the same time. Right. So when that happens, then what I always see when somebody has just passed is literally, it's almost like they're on an escalator. And as they're on the escalator, kind of raising vibration, shifting energy, raising vibration, they're surrounded by light beings, light beings, just, just infusing love. And the greatest vision of that, that I have where, where it's so remarkable is suicides. Um, I've had three suicides close to me in my life in the last 10 years. All of them were within four years of each other and with each and every one of them. And then with my clients that have have passed that way, it's like, let's say if we had, if the average person has like a million light beings, this is like, like a hundred times. Like, and I think it's because when somebody transitions through suicide, if we think about it, those of us that are left here, everybody that I know, at least love, light prayers, like, they know they're in so much pain. So they there's more energy and love and attention that goes to them than people that transition in other ways because we know that there was a depth of pain that caused or created that circumstance. Even okay. if you're angry and all of those things, that also shows up. So there's this intense support and loving energy as they're transitioning. And once they once they um, move through that that light energy, we're going to our experience of kind of a, an experience of our entire lives. We feel all of the experiences that we ever imparted on anyone. And we have all that love and joy. And we also learn and have the experiences of the pain that we created, or there's not judgment. It's just, it's almost like it's just the life review of all of the things. Like, like we would take a review of your job and, okay, let's see how we did in this lifetime. And here you go. And then there's a healing space and the healing space. I call it that because I don't know what to call it. Nobody's ever said what it is, but it's a healing space where like a lot of times the souls that are working through processing, letting go of, have some ties that still need to be unwound with people here in the physical world. They're in that space and there is no time there. So it's hard to measure how much time they're there. My grandmother was an alcoholic and she had a very difficult life and a very difficult transition. She actually froze to death yeah, walking out of her, her care facility with Alzheimer's. And she was in a healing space for like, gosh, nine, 10 years where our time, nine, our time, years. right. 
But then I've had other people that have had very traumatic experiences that I could tap into and feel like they were in a different space in four or five. So I just think it's more about the way all of us as different energetic beings process. And, you know, it's like some people witnessing a car accident will send them into deep trauma. Other people, it wouldn't affect them at all. So we, we internalize and we take it in different ways. So everybody has varying levels of that. And so when you're in that healing space, you can still be, you can still contact them. You can still touch in with them. You can still get messages from them because remember they don't have a body. They're an energy. So they can be connected to you here in physical and be in a healing space at the same time. Have you ever known of anyone to go back right into a body right away? Probably the closest was actually my mom before this lifetime and I think it was only like three years between lifetimes. And, and actually, I had a channel that came through me of an uncle that I'd never met. He died before I was born that told me the whole story about my mother and who she was and then who she is now because she was still part of the same family. And when I shared it with my mom, she's like, that's I didn't know any of it. She says, that's all true. That's how it was. And so. You know, so it doesn't happen very often, immediate like that. Um, I have another client that her dad came through as her grandson. We've had a few of those, but I think it's usually more time space in general. I think a lot of us are like, okay, I'm going to need a break from that earth school for a little bit. Let me have a cocktail or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you believe like we're all, I mean, the whole thing, we choose our family. We, you know, we're all connected always. Like I had, I did a past life and I felt Paige and I knew it was Paige. You know, it's like, that was the first experience of doing that and going, oh my gosh, I know that's Paige. That's Mm -hmm. her energy. Yes. But tell me that because you've done past lives where you've, and you've probably always been a healer or, you know, always. I've lost my life a lot for doing the work I do now in different forms of that, you know, whether I was hung whether I was decapitated, like it was always um, being in uh, some kind of medicine, healing, spiritual, witchy role that was honoring the spirits and not, not all of my lives, but many of them were, were that way. I think that, yes, I think we travel in soul families. That doesn't mean that it's only just your five people. It's like soul family to me is almost like it's like a hundred so you're really close friends throughout your journey, really close family members. Every family member doesn't have to be part of your soul journey. You know, they, they kind of um, come in and out, but it's really, that's the kind of the realm. And you have people kind of on the fringe also. And, but the people that are very, very close are generally going to cross your path in one way or another. I had a past life with my son that I had a, a flash of, and then went in deeper with a, a hypnotherapist that was, he was my brother in a lifetime when we were actually cowboys in the, in the Southwest in the 1800s. And, and so they, so I have many memories of little things like that, where we kind of interconnected and you do know when you feel it, you know, you know, it's all, it's same with like when my grandson, I was with my grandson when, when he was born. And when I looked into his eyes, like we, and I don't, I haven't seen the lifetime I just, we've been connected. We've been together. So I think you have that knowing. And a lot of us are like, okay, well, now I want to know what it is. And, and to me, I'm always like, if I need to know, I'll know. Like spirit will, if I have that awareness, the other awarenesses will come up in the right time and space. Right. You know, has your business in the last two years and like grown because of where we're going right now? Yes. 
We have expanded, you know, it was, it was challenging with the pandemic because I'm a people person. I like people and I like to do events and I have a healing center. And so I would see people every week, not only just private sessions and mentoring clients, but classes and things like that. And I did a lot of events. Actually, when the pandemic hit, I think we canceled 11 speaking events for that next six months or so. And um, that part was really hard for me. The thing that was great was I was already, everything was already online. So that wasn't my favorite way to do it. So I didn't do it as often, but I was already all set up. And what I realized is that that was part of the gift of it is that we could reach more people in Mm -hmm. greater ways to help serve the whole of humanity, not just the community that we live in. Right. Right. And so, but yes, it has, it has grown. I think people are searching and people are looking for more um, connection and trying to make sense of why things are the way they are, what they can do for themselves or for those that they love and care about or for humanity to make this time have more grace and ease. Yes. I know what I was going to ask you back to the death card. Do we choose how we die? That's a great question. It's interesting. I think a lot of people feel like, let's say if you die in a car accident, I would never choose that or um, die of a, of a disease. I don't think that we, before we come into this life, that we choose the way we're going. I, what I know to absolutely be true is that the moment we're born and the moment we die are absolutes. Those are the two absolutes of everything. Everything else in the middle is free will growth and expansion. So the way we die, I think, is more based on the life choices throughout our experience and circumstances at the time that it's time for us to move. So for example, if I'm, let's say that it's close to my time up, but I don't know that, then a car accident or a sudden diagnosis that happens very quickly might be my exit point. Most of the time, the exit point is less about the person that passes and more about the people that are left with that exit. Mm -hmm. So it's about their, so if it's suicide, then we need to expand and grow in this area. If it's cancer, then there's teaching or learning or wisdom, or maybe it's to help those in the family to be more aware of, you know, smoking every day or whatever it happens to be. Right. So spirit has said that the majority of the time, the lesson is for those that are left because the person that's gone is done. They're out, they're having a new experience. You know, they're like, okay, I'm off to college. I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm over here now, right? Like I graduated. So I think that we don't consciously choose, but I think based on our life experiences, circumstances, choices, and the things that are available at that time, there is an energetic pull that helps us to complete our journey in a way that serves those that are around us as well. Oh, that makes sense. What Have you ever done a reading with anybody like a mass shooting or 9-11 where they've been part of a big... I have. I have. That. Um, several. We did, I did a lot. It was interesting because uh, probably about, gosh, it's been what, 20 years since 9-11? Probably about six, seven years ago within maybe a month. I hadn't done any nobody had ever come through. And I think in a month, I had three or four people that were connected to 9-11 that came through within the same month. And I'd never had it before. So there was an energetic support there. And they all said they were part of, they're part of a collective awareness. They had the experience. 
to create awareness for humanity. Now, I don't know how many of us got it. And that (laughs) happens a lot. You know, did, did we learn actually, did humanity learn? Maybe there's a few people that did and a few people that actually went the other way. And then there's a lot of people sitting on the fence, maybe depending on what those mass experiences are. The pandemic was a mass death and I don't think we got what we needed to get, unfortunately. Right. I think lots of people expanded in different in different ways, but I, I think that it was supposed to be to help us come together in love. And that is not, it happened in smaller areas, but that is not what happened. Right. Um, and I think we'll get another chance. And yeah. I hope it's not the same way, but I, we're going to get another chance till we get it. Right. Like, I mean, the little school shootings, these little yes. kids that, I mean, in my, it's like in my heart, I have to look at it like, okay, did they all come together like the 9-11 to come to heal yeah. these guns? Yes. And, and to create awareness and to make change and to help us expand. And, and, and I think part of what happens, it's interesting to me, and I understand it, but it's interesting to me because people forget that children are souls. Right. And their souls could be older and wiser than yours. And yet people don't think that children manifest for themselves. You know, well, why would this child get sick? Why would this child put themselves? Well, they're not consciously choosing to be a part of a shooting. They don't choose that on a conscious level. It's on a soul level. That's part of their journey is to teach, is to heal and remember. It's not their experience so much as it is those that right. are left behind and what they do with it. So, so many people, I mean, I, I did a reading for a woman that 20 years ago, she was a student of mine for several years, that her brother um, was hit by a drunk driver and she she brought mad to the state of Arizona. Now, she wasn't the mother, she was a sister, but she brought mad to the state of Arizona. And how many lives might she have changed, saved, with right. the awareness of what she did because of her brother's passing, right? So that was left in her hands. It's not. It wasn't him dying from a drunk driver, it was what is she going to do with it? So the change, the ripple effect, it's as much our responsibility, again, not in this responsibility like, okay, now this pressure's on you, but to follow the guidance of of as we learn and grow and when certain situations come up, what are we meant to do with them? You know, when my grandmother died, she, she had Alzheimer's. She walked out of her care facility and outside of Park City, Utah, and froze to death. My spirit, she came to me and she said, be my voice. Hmm. Because she was an alcoholic. She never had a voice in her life. And um, my grandfather was very abusive. And so she said, be my voice. So I went to Washington and spoke at Senate hearings on Alzheimer's and the Safe Return Program, which is about Alzheimer's patients that are wanderers, that just wander off, which my grandmother was one of those, and how to keep them safer. So it wasn't to push against anybody, but it was to be a voice towards something. You know, I would never go to, for me personally, I don't go to a rallies that are protests. I don't want to push against anything, but if they have a peace rally, I'm there, right? Right. Anything that's for something, not against something. And so be my voice. So that was an an, um, example of how, what do we, those of us are left with it. You can be angry. You can be sad. You can be pissed off, hurt, you know, tell all the stories and have revenge and all that, or you can do what is your, your part, whatever that is. Right. Do you feel like when, like you have certain lessons to learn in this body as Sunny? I do. And if you don't. My greatest one is self-love. The one I started with, (laughs) it's the one that throughout my life, I've gotten a lot better. And I think I have, I think I'm the most unconditionally loving being to myself um, as I've grown and expanded. And 
I still have work to do. I still have, you know, I still don't ever feel like I do enough for humanity to this day. That's like, it's an issue for me. And it's actually manifesting in my body right now. You know, I have migraines that I, that I didn't have for 20 years. And when the pandemic, right before the pandemic started, they showed up and I just gave so much of my energy during the pandemic and they got worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's this underlying, like, what else can I do? How else can I serve? And that sounds all nice and wonderful, except for that's not, that's, that's not me um, doing enough for me. Right. So we're all learning, even though we're teachers, I mean, I'm like, okay, how do I not get out? Like I've been teaching this for a long time. Don't I get right. like a pass? Can I, <laughs> can I just skip over this part? Oh no, you're human too. Oh, okay. So great. Right. So I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, well, they do this or they've written this book or they've had this thing. So they must not have those. Hello, if you're still in the body, there's stuff to learn. The right. end. But you, do you feel like those the biggest those lessons that you feel like the self-love in this body, if you don't really capture that lesson, it's going to keep going and going. For sure. You, OK, absolutely. And, and you, you will one way or another, you'll get it. You don't get out of this life without serving your purpose. We don't get out of this body this right right now. You don't get out of this life without serving your purpose. Now your purpose can be a lot of different things, but you do not get out of it without serving it because we're here on purpose. So even though people do it in different ways, right? So some people do it and they, maybe they die as a drug addict. You're like, Oh my God, they didn't serve their purpose. Well, if they created awareness, if they changed 20 people in your family, from being drug addicts themselves, if they, maybe that was their purpose. It just wasn't in the pretty way. Right. I mean, just like those mass shootings, those little yes. kids, like that was their purpose. <clears throat> that was why exactly. they came. Exactly. They but, came you know, like to teach, I mean, just for people listening right now, just to have that, it's just this level of peace that you can live with, that you know, that, you know, we're all, we're all one. Yeah. We're all living here to, you know, grow, expand, learn. That's share, just, love, yes. heal. Love, 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 love. That's love, love, like, love, baby. Just love. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, we're ending, but, you know, just I'm going to talk about your book again, but the stories of your um, ex husband's or your the father of crew is his mother that you just kept going up there. That was an amazing story. Mm-hmm. The story of uh, Mario the little boy that was, you know, that you kept telling this, he's like telling him everything's great here. Like, this is amazing. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't miss being on earth. Right. Right. I don't miss that. Just know I'm always with you, Mm -hmm. you know? And when, you know, when I think of my dad, for an example, and I know he's here, you know, it's just that, you know, that comfort, we're always here. Right. Even if there's no place that they are there, they are. Right. And it's just recognizing and learning how to tap into that. Right. Mm-hmm. When you talk about, okay, this is my last question. <laughs> Sorry. It's like five it's minutes okay. over dreams. What do you, yeah. cause my girls always wake up and we always talk about our dreams and mm-hmm. my evolution of learning about that the last few years is um, interesting. Cause I feel like, you know, we sleep and where are we going? Mm-hmm. Are we really going there? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that happen in dreams. So dreams happen for a variety of reasons. One is we're processing in a subconscious state so that um, our conscious mind can get settled. So we're having, we're struggling about something. There's something on our mind 
and we process through the dream state. So we might have those funky dreams that like make no sense. And, you know, it's your house, but it's in the middle of the ocean and it's floating, but it should, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that can be processing dreams. And that helps us to have more clarity when we wake up, if we look at the dream and we say, okay, what, what symbolically do these things represent? Helps Mm -hmm. us to process that. We can have visitations. Visitations are when you have an experience with a loved one that has passed. And when you wake up, it feels real. Like you went there, you did that. You felt the wind blowing through your hair. You saw the big, the colors, all of that. That is a visitation. That literally is you rising because when your conscious mind goes to sleep, then you can actually activate. That's why dreams are where the spirit world shows up. Usually the quickest and the first is because they can access you easily here. So when you have that visitation, you're in a place where you get to go wherever you guys choose that, like you create that. And, and so it might be, you're spinning around on a carousel or you're at the beach or whatever it is. And when you wake up, it feels different than a dream. Like you were there, you had it, you, you can almost feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. Then we have dreams where we don't remember them, but when we wake up, we feel we have the feeling of maybe it's a loved one that's passed. Maybe it's an experience with an angel or an ascended master where we feel that presence, but we have no cognizant recollection of anything. So when we're having the dreams, the greatest thing, I think, so my, I don't usually remember my dreams unless they're going to happen. And so usually when I remember my dreams and they're going to happen, it's not always great stuff. So I appreciate <laughs> oh, not remembering my dreams. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of visitation dreams because I think I'm so open that I do that in my day-to-day life. So the spirits come to me. So it's not very common that I have a visitation dream because I'm in that state in my daily life, right? But when I do have dreams that don't always make sense, it really is like I can kind of tap into, oh, that's because I've been worried about this. I've been stressed about this. So this is the guidance that's coming from it. Like, you know, calm down or relax or redirect or, or make this choice. Or, or, so there's a lot of information in the dreams. I love to have people, especially younger people write out what the symbology is to them. Not the book, not the dream book. The dream book is helpful after, but first Mm -hmm. let's do it within yourself. Then if you feel like, okay, I'm not sure, get the dream book to help add value to it, but Uh don't use it as what you're dependent on. Yes. So more like activating your intuition, trying to teach them. Right. Because we always want the one thing you can give, and you're doing this with your girls, the greatest gift you can give your children. There's two. One is their own awareness of their self-value. The very best that you can do. And how do you do that is by, by modeling it. The second thing is recognition of their ability to tune in and tap in on their own separate from anyone. Because they have that and they can use that. So their intuitive abilities, their gut sense will help them in times when somebody's trying to peer pressure them. The boy is telling them to come over to the house. Uh, the person saying, let's go for the ride. And, and they don't have to be intentionally bad things. But if we know how to listen to our intuition, it can take us in, in, on journeys that don't have to be as difficult as they would be otherwise, because we'll learn it one way or another. Right. Yes. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Those are perfect ways to end our hour and 15 minute. Interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sunny, that was so fun. You know, there's so many, you know, one twenties of my almost three years of this podcast and 
you know, there's certain guests that you get excited about. And I, like I told you before to like learn about and read books and it just doesn't get old. I just could keep going and going. And I got so excited to meet you today and I'm so grateful. And I just know that we'll be connected forever. And I, you know, it's like, uh, I, when I used to share you with other people, they would call me and, or text me and say, I feel like she's our friend. <laughs> that happened That's what I am. I mean, we're all the same. We're all here together, right? And yes, right. I have a lot to teach and I have a lot to learn and we're all in the same playing field. Some people are just a few steps ahead in some areas and some people are a few steps ahead in others. And that's a reality. We're all just walking each other home. Yes. Yes. I love that. Can you tell, so we can get you at Sunny, you have a podcast too. I do. I do. So I have, um, off the cuff, I actually did it every day during the pandemic. I've backed up. So I'm only doing it once a week and I'm not really doing interviews right now. I'm kind of just doing whatever I want because, uh, I put so much energy into it and I'm healing these migraines. So, so yeah, so I have off the cuff on Wednesdays on social media, all social. Um, you can find it there and you can find me on my website, sunnydonjohnston.com or, um, you know, Facebook or Instagram, I put a lot of attention nowadays. What I'm, what I'm focused on the most is actually helping people to develop their intuition. That's really where my focus is because when the pandemic happened, spirit said, you know, people were setting up appointments to ask me if they should get a vaccine or not to ask oh. me if they should, if they should be wearing a mask when they go on this trip or not, like all of these things. And, and, and spirit said to me before the pandemic happened, you have to teach people to trust themselves, not to trust others, not to trust the media, not to tr- just trust themselves and their, their knowledge, their wisdom. And so I started a, a group called intuition 365, where I teach a class every week on intuition. And that's really where right now my focus has been, because I know that just like I was saying with your girls, there are many adults that don't have that ability. They don't know how to trust themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and most of all, because we were taught not to, we were taught to trust other people. Right. We were taught to trust the authorities, to trust the teachers, to trust the preachers, to trust whoever. And ultimately we need to learn how to be able to tap into that for ourselves. Yes. So powerful. I love teaching that. I have, that's one of the, in one of my, it's called raising confidence. I teach um, teens. And yes. one of the modules is intuition. Cause oh, I really, beautiful. That's so good. So good. I really and I love your teaching kids. I, I did that when my kids were younger. I taught kids for a few years to just help the kids that were kind of in the, their age range. And, um, and that was great. It was, it was really helpful and helpful for them too at the time. Yeah. It's definitely a passion. I, I know I've done that in many li- lives. <laughs> I've yeah. gone there and I've seen myself and I know that's why I have it in me. I just, I see this this, their souls, you know, I'm like, come on, I get yeah. it. Let's do yeah. this. Let me yeah. show you. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Good yeah, for you, it. actually. Good for you. Oh, thank you, Sunny. You're welcome. We'll have to have you come back one time. Yeah, I'm, I'm here anytime. I'd love to love to connect with you and thank you. And thanks to all the audience. And uh, um, I hope it brought some value to you. You did. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.